Factor Podcast. What is up, lacrosse fans? You are listening to the fourth episode of the Lax Factor Lacrosse Daily. And I'm doing a weird thing today because uh, for the first time, I'm recording without video. So this is going to take a lot of getting used to because normally I have lights on, I have video, and I'm trying to embrace doing these uh, less formal audio-only podcasts. Uh, So today I decided let's not record this with the hope that there might be something good in here. Um, for the purpose of uh, video and sharing it up on YouTube. But the reality is these types of podcasts where I ramble, you know, I have some focus here. Today we're going to talk about the Inside Lacrosse All-American list, uh, preseason All-American list that came out. We're going to talk about this really sweet PDF that Fanlax shared in uh, one of the groups I'm in uh, that outlines the 1983, uh, Syracuse men's lacrosse season, where they were the first Q's team to win the national championship. So we'll talk about that a little bit and, uh, and about how politically incorrect and awesome to a degree the eighties were the eighties were awesome in the way that, uh, there was no such thing as political correctness. So in that way, it was cool. Uh, the eighties were terrible in the sense that murder rates throughout the country were at an all time high and it was a very unsafe time to live. And you had the Cold War. You had all sorts of really unsavory things that uh, came about in the 80s. So this is the type of banter. Uh, what we're actually going to call this today, and what I think I'm going to try this out every Wednesday, is uh, Rambling Wednesdays, where instead of having a more buttoned-up script uh, script as I have for this lacrosse uh, daily show, uh, we'll go a little bit more off the hip and then just kind of talk about random topics, maybe even get into some... N- fringe lacrosse stuff, you know, borderlining on not lacrosse stuff. So the first thing that I wanted to talk about was the face-off yearbook preseason men's Division I All-Americans. Now, as a Cuse fan, I was delighted because Syracuse ended up uh, putting more guys on the list than anybody else did. But as we look at the first team, there's there's very few surprises. Uh, you look at the first team All-Americans, we have Grant Amet, uh, redshirt senior, Penn State, Mike Sowers, senior, from Princeton, Chris Gray, Jr. from North Carolina. Now, this is the only one. I keep saying this about Chris Gray, and maybe the fact I haven't seen him play enough, and maybe the fact I haven't seen him play enough against the best of the best of the best. Not that Boston, you didn't have a, a decent schedule because they play in a tough conference, and they did, but the, you know my ability to watch him play, I, I've seen, what, two or three games where Chris Gray's played. He's always impressed me, but I've always been a little bit awed by how highly he is, in fact, regarded uh, across the board. And, and I had talked about it before where I didn't think that he should have been a first-team All-American. I think it was last year over a couple of the other guys. So maybe there is, I have to concede that maybe there is something about this kid that I just haven't seen yet because it seems the media at least really likes him. My first thought, and I'll just be honest, you can light me up if you want to, but my first thought when I saw this was that, well, this is an, uh, the media poll. So this is the media being excited that this kid that put up 100-plus points at Boston U is now going to be playing at a Blue Blood ACC conference, North Carolina. So there was a small part of me that thought that, but I think that I just need to shut up and and let the kid play and see what happens because obviously there are people who think highly of him enough to make him a preseason first-team All-American and a first-team All-American last year. So, Or maybe he wasn't a first-team All-American last year. Uh, Maybe it was the Twarton. Maybe he was a Twarton finalist. I don't remember what it was. There was something. But anyway, they're the the first three attack. Now, midfielders, I'm totally behind this one. Uh, First team, midfielders, Docs Aiken, Sam Handley, and Brian Costabile. Aiken of Virginia, Handley, freshman 
phenom last year for Penn and Brian Costabile. So Penn, they lost a couple of guys. So Handley is going to have a chance this year to really smoke. So that's exciting. Doc Saitkin and, and Costabile, I've been saying all along, uh, starting with last year through this year, they're the best two midfielders in the country. I think they fight it out for midfielder of the year. And I think, you know, there, there's just no, you can't say enough good things about those guys. They are just beasts at the midfield. But Handley is a beast of a man. You know, I like I like Aitken and I like Costabile, but Handley is literally like a large man. Like he's a, a, a huge, huge guy. So face off uh, specialist. Fogo, uh, TD Erlen, he is the first team All American faceoff specialist. We have a short stick D mid, and it's uh, Terrafanko, Ryan Terrafanko out of Ohio State. Probably, I would say that's those two goes without saying. So, I mean, pretty much they're nailing this off the off the bat, and I just need to shut the hell up about the Chris Gray crap. Uh, and that's usually what happens when you deal with media polls. You have a lot of people voting at least. So that's good. And hey guys, man, why am I not on this? I am now one of the most important entrenched members in the media uh, within the sport of lacrosse. And I'm not voting for this media poll. We need to rectify this and I need to be voting for this media poll. Uh, we got to we gotta see what I have to do to get on there. I hope you heard the sarcasm in that. I, I don't think that highly of myself. Although I do want to vote on that media poll. So that is true. LSM, Jared Connors. I'd say that's that's more than fair. And then we go into the close D, JT Giles Harris from Duke, Kobe Smith from Towson, and Nick Mellon from Syracuse. And, to- and Kobe Smith is a beast. Kobe Smith is a beast and a bad man. Uh, so I dig him out of Towson. JT G- Giles Harris, he's, he's filthy also. He's probably the favorite for the defender of the year. And then goalies, not, not a surprise to me, Matt DeLuca out of Delaware. You, usually your mid-level teams end up having the goalies that get a lot of heat, and they end up having really solid goalkeepers, and DeLuca is one of those guys. So no surprises on the first team. We get to the second team, and this is where you look at this second team and you're like, oh, so many of these guys could be first-team All-Americans, and you, it, it, it's just we have a loaded field here. Second-team All-Americans uh, preseason, Mac O'Keefe, Penn State, Jared Bernhardt, Maryland. These are the attackmen. Asher Nolting from High Point. So right, right there across the board, I can get behind that. And then I'm going to read the third-team attack, Jeff Teat, Matt Moore, and Jackson Morrill. We are living in a world where Jeff Teat, Matt Moore, and Jackson Morrill all – legitimately could be considered first-team All-Americans in terms of their production, in terms of, like, you look at Matt Moore, of all these guys, for him to be on the third team, I get it, but this is one where I kind of feel like, ooh, Matt Moore, is is Matt Moore not a better player than Asher Nolting? I know Asher Nolting put up more points, and I know Asher Nolting is filthy, and I know Asher Nolting is going to put a buttload more points up in 2020 also, probably more than Matt Moore. But the two things are not the same. Asher Nolting, similarly to how I felt about Chris Gray last year, they were asked to do more for their programs than Matt Moore is asked to do for his simply because he has a much bigger supporting cast that are closer to his skill level. So once you get out of that first team, I think those first team guys probably all deserve it. You get into the second and third, and now it's a wash because Jeff Teat, he could be a first team All-American. Moore could be. Jackson Morrill is is one of the best attack, is the best attackman on what could be the best attack line in the country with him, uh, Gaudet, and Brandau. They're filthy three attackmen. So that's a tough one to look at, but the third team All-Americans, I mean, they've got the right guys. I just, you know, the spots are a little hairy, but hey, that's why they don't let me vote probably. We get into the second and third team uh, midfield All-Americans. We have Chase Scanlon at Syracuse, which I think this is odd 
And uh, they do this, and I've seen them do this in lacrosse quite a bit, where a player ends up being listed as a position they're not playing. So unless something has changed, Scanlon is an attackman, and Scanlon is now starting attack for Syracuse. At least he did in the fall. So unless they're switching this up and they're putting Scanlon at midfield, Scanlon is not a midfielder. So I, I thought that was odd. I if if Scanlon moves to attack, he is no longer an All American. So this may be their aim at trying to keep him an All American. So even though he's not playing mid, and I don't see them using him in that capacity at all this year, uh, they have him listed there. So Scanlon. Uh, Brendan Curry and Connor Kirst of Villanova. So we have two Syracuse guys, Scanlon and Curry. Curry legitimately uh, deserves it, and he's a legitimate midfielder. Uh, Chase Scanlon is an attackman, but he's on the list here for Syracuse. So we have two guys here on this uh, second team on the atta- on the midfield units, and Connor Kirst is a hell of a midfielder out of Villanova. Face-off guys, Kyle Gallagher out of Penn. That's that's uh, to be expected. Uh, the only, And then we look at the midfielder and face-off guys on the third team. We got Bubba Fairman out of Maryland, Jack Kelly out of Penn State, and Anthony DeMeo out of Maryland with Gerard Arceri as the face-off guy. So that those guys are all interchangeable. By the end of the year, you know, you may see Bubba Fairman. I mean, Jack Kelly is filthy. I thought DeMeo played attack a little bit last year, but I could be wrong. And Gerard Arceri is a hell of a face-off guy at a Penn State. I would say him and Gallagher are uh, interchangeable as the second and third team, but I think that they'll probably get that right, and those will be your three All-Americans at the face-off dot will be T.D. Erlen, Kyle Gallagher, and Gerard Arceri. So we get into the short stick D-mid on the second team is uh, Danny Logan out of Denver. Admittedly, I don't know a lot about him. And short stick D-mid Peter Durth out of Syracuse. We get yet another guy out of Syracuse. And then the LSMs in those groups were Ryan McNulty out of Loyola. And that guy wreaks havoc all over the lacrosse field. McNulty does. And Brett Kennedy in Syracuse. McNulty is more of a game disruptor, more of a legit old school defender at that position, and Kennedy can guard, and he actually did a really good job filling in for Bomberry his freshman year at close D, and I, I thought he looked nice down there, but as a as a long-stick midfielder, he is just too good across the field. He will get beat. He'll also play some solid defense at times, but in, in terms of just between the boxes, transition play, making shit happen, getting your team hype, and getting the crowd hyped, uh, nobody, you know, nobody at that position right now is better than at that than Brett Kennedy. And, but seriously, McNulty is a beast. He's a beast. He's a mean man, a bad man. And I, I get behind his uh, style of play as well. We go to now defenders, second team, Chris Fake, Gibson Smith, and George Bowen from Princeton. I don't know anything about Bowen from Princeton. Gibson Smith out of Georgetown. I've talked about him before. He's really solid rangy fellow Chris fake the the shutdown beast out of Yale fake I think that you're really going to see fake take a huge step forward this year as a junior his my only gripe with fake has ever been his off ball play and it's not because he's not a good off ball player it's just because he's an aggressive player that is just waiting to slide to someone and light them up or hurt them with a nice slap check on the hands maybe a little bit of the hip he's not picky and that's the only gripe I've ever had about him is that his aggressiveness, which is a good thing, his bully, him being a bully, which is a good thing, sometimes lends itself well to him sliding earlier, sliding where it's not appropriate and opening things up. But you're going to you're going to live you're going to live with that with Chris Fake because he's dirty. So Gibson Smith, Chris Fake and George Bond from uh, Bowen from Princeton. I got to learn a little bit more about that kid, apparently. Now, our third team, D, Mark Evancheck, 
Jack Kelly and Nick Cardile out of Penn State. I've talked about Cardile out of Penn State or Cardile. I can't remember how to pronounce that. Jack Keity, not Kelly, Jack Kielty out of Notre Dame and um, Mark Evancheck out of Penn. Honestly, I know very little about all of them. I, I know a little bit more about Kielty only because I've heard his name. And I'm, once again, that's another one I'm not sure I'm pronouncing it correctly, but those are the three third team defenders. And then the goalies. The goalies, second-team All-American goalie, Drake Porter out of Syracuse. And my guy that I think is going to have a big season this year, senior out of Penn State, Kobe Kniece. But that's that's three solid goalies. Uh, our goalies, we're looking at Matt DeLuca, senior out of Delaware, Drake Porter, senior out of Syracuse, and Kobe Kniece, senior out of Penn State. So I, I think they got those right, too. I think that those are going to be your three All-American goaltenders. Now, look, listen, this is the crazy part, though. As we listen to this now, listen to the guys who are just honorable mention. An honorable mention, if you're an honorable mention All-American, you are happy to get to say you're an All-American, but realistically, you are stupid disappointed that you weren't at least a third-team All-American. So let's get into the honorable mention All-Americans and wait until you hear the guys on this fucking list because it's crazy. Joey Epstein, sophomore out of Johns Hopkins, is an honorable mention All-American. Michael Krause, senior out of Virginia, Honorable mention All-American. Jake fucking Caraway, senior out of Georgetown. Honorable mention. Logan Wisnowskis, filthy attackman out of Maryland. Honorable mention. We got Nikai Montgomery, midi out of Duke. Tucker Dordovic, that's 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 probably the proper place for him. Uh, I would have liked to, to have seen Jamie Trimboli on this list, but I guess you can't put everybody up. Brian Tevlin out of uh, Yale, Connor Fletcher, Cornell. And Connor Fletcher had a down year last year. I think he's going to have a big, hopefully 50-plus point season this year. We'll see out of Connor Fletcher. Uh, Connor Gaffney out of Lehigh. Uh, uh, Justin Inacio out of Ohio State. Uh, he's their face-off guy. Roman Pugliese out of Maryland. John Fox out of Virginia. So a lot the guys that are filling up the bottom of the list, you can see Nick Washuda out of Vermont. He could end up being one of the All-American goalies. He is a legit goaltender. Caton Johnson out of North Carolina, the UNC faithful are, are hoping for big things out of him. But just looking at those first four guys, Joey Epstein, Michael Krause, Jake Carraway, and Logan Wisnowskis are all honorable mention All-Americans. It, it's just it's just bonkers. That's crazy. So the other thing I wanted to talk about was the 80s. So as we get into uh, Fanlax, fanlax.com, it is the the what they call the Lax Power replacement in terms of the forum. The Lax Power forum, uh, for anybody who loves lacrosse and did a lot of lacrosse online, Lax Power was the shit. Their forum was the shit. It was the most used forum, the only forum worth being a member of just about. Uh, Inside Lacrosse had some decent stuff and they had a decent community in their forum but but lax power was where it was at well fan lax has taken that over their forum now i think has even those old lax power legacy posts and now they're the new place to go to bullshit about lacrosse if you're a diehard fan or just a lunatic that loves your team too much to the point that it's probably affecting your life in a negative way anyway they posted a pdf from the 19 that, that kind of chronicled the 1983 lacrosse season for the Syracuse men's lacrosse team I believe they were the first Syracuse lacrosse team to win a national championship and as I was thumbing through it it was just awesome anyway reading stuff about Tim Nelson um, seeing a bunch of the legacy guys guys that played on this 1983 Syracuse team whose kids have ended up playing at Syracuse so that has been awesome, but one of the, the the headlines that caught my attention was they played Rutgers that year and they beat them twenty one to thirteen. 
And in that article, the headline, Syracuse Beheads Knights 2113. It actually said that they beheaded the team that they played. So I thought that was awesome. It would have been a little bit cooler maybe if he had used the word decapitates. Uh, they did not use that word. They used the word behead. But would you see that in a in a in a news as a new, newspaper headline now that somebody beheaded their opponent? I doubt it, and I, and that's probably for good reason. But that's just the difference in terms of the political correctness, the climate between now and that day. But that was pretty incredible. Uh, and overall, though, I'm going to put a link in the description here. So if you're listening to this on any of the platforms, there, there will be a link in the description to this PDF document. If you're a Syracuse fan, it is really cool. If you're just a, a fan of lacrosse in general and you dig lacrosse history, this is really cool. And I'd say we should have more of these. I would love to see for more people uh, that are fans of other teams to you know, put the time in over time. If you're just someone with a lot of time, sorry, I said time a lot back to back to back there. But it would be cool to see a lot more of these start floating around. I'm sure people have scrapbooks and things like that. If people could start sharing some of these, fanlax.com, that's the place you want to post this kind of stuff. If you went into that team's fan board and put this up, people will eat this kind of content up. So I'll put a link in the description to this. I'll, I'll put a link in the description to the Inside the Cross article as well as to with the preseason All-Americans as well as to to this PDF document for everybody to see. And it's kind of just a random thing that uh, had, I saw this morning. I see this morning in one of the lacrosse coaches groups, a guy asking in box lacrosse, and I'm presuming this is rec league box lacrosse, meaning that there, it doesn't mean a whole lot outside of, to, you know, to the players. I'm sure people want to win, but I mean, let's keep it in focus here. I, I suspect this is rec league box lacrosse in box lacrosse. He asked, what is the protocol for a coach when an official does not know the number of the player he's calling a penalty on, meaning the official came to the sideline, called a penalty, didn't have a number. And there's two ways to look at this. If this guy was bitching about the fact that the official was making a call that he didn't like and was it was saying, hey, you shouldn't even be able to call the penalty if you don't know who, who it was on, that's not a good reason to be upset by it. Um, and it's just, it's just a weird thing. You, you have these coaches that think that, that – the rules need to be upheld in every manner and everything needs to be perfect, even at these youth levels. And you got to allow for a little bit of levity here. Um, I used to ref, I coached, I refed, I've played, I've done everything within the lacrosse world. So uh, when I used to ref the rec leagues and when I was refing rec league box in our area, we were making 15 bucks a game. So you bet, you better believe there were scenarios where we went to the sideline and we said, I don't know who it was on. Maybe that team didn't have numbers. Maybe we didn't see it. Maybe we had a couple too many beers at the bar before we showed up to ref. Yes, we were 21 and they were asking us to ref. So there were times where we would show up after we had been drinking just a wee bit. And it was cool. Everyone, no one, no one got mad at us or anything like that. Um, now I'm going to have people though complaining and saying, how could you do that? That's terrible. You're a scumbag and it shows your character. No. It doesn't, but you can you can think that. Anyway, moral of the story. Yeah, we didn't take. I mean, we took it seriously enough that we wanted to keep people safe, but we didn't take it so seriously that if we forgot a kid's number uh, or didn't see it or forgot it in between calling the penalty, letting it play on, and ending, it happens. You'd go over, you'd say, "Hey, I don't know who it was on." The coach would pick somebody. I literally, you just tell the coach pick somebody, and that coach would use his brain and he would say, "I'm going to pick the worst player on my team. That kid's the one serving the penalty." 
So I don't know the context that this guy was sharing this. He may have just been legitimately wondering, what's the protocol here? What are we supposed to do? So I had chimed in, told him uh, two things. You pick the worst player and see if you can get the ref to let him serve it. Or you just if you have an in-home, if it's one of those rec leagues where they do actually have a, a, a scorebook or you, do, you can designate an in-home per the rules, then once again, designate your worst player as your in-home, and that's how you roll. So he had ended up saying that, that that was what he was going to do. My my thought on it, though, was that you could tell from another comment that was made that everybody was taking this as a guy that probably tried to argue the validity of that call even being made because the official didn't know the number of the player. So I've seen that. So if that was the spirit of this, that's wrong. If you're a coach and you're giving officials shit because they don't know the number of the guy. If this isn't a varsity JV level lacrosse game or higher, and you're getting mad because they don't know the number of a player, if this is a tournament, if this is a summer league tournament, I don't even care if there's a lot on the line. Listen, these officials are not getting paid top dollar. These officials that are doing these tournaments, they roll out after a full day of running around refing and eating shit from parents and coaches. They don't come home with a whole lot of loot. You know, you may be clearing a buck 50, maybe 250 if you do like a whole weekend tournament or something like that when you're doing a bunch of games back to back to back. So you're giving your whole weekend to a lacrosse field to eat shit from a-hole parents and coaches. That's not worth the money for the most part. You do it because you like it. You do it for the exercise. You do it because it's it's fun to a degree. But, you know, parents and coaches make it a little bit less fun for officials all the time, especially at that level. I I don't see a huge problem uh, for officials at the high school levels. For the most part, high school officials, I, when I refed varsity for in JV for two years, I didn't have a single problem with a parent at all. Now, that's not to say parents weren't threatening us and screaming to us from the stands, but we were far enough away from them. We couldn't hear them. We never had a run-in or anything like that. As uh, when I have refed uh, club events and uh, rec tournaments and things like that, you best believe there's problems all over the place. So there's not huge problems that I've seen at sanctioned events because the schools have the power to boot people from the stands and and prevent that from happening. There are serious problems at youth events because you're just dealing with morons. It, it seems that the the closer the parents are to the official, the worse it is. So that's why I feel like you have a lot more problems at those levels. So I've just totally lost my train of thought and where I was even trying to go with that. But the idea being that you need to work with the officials, like the, it's not you against the officials. Even when I coached at the, at the Juco level, at the, the low college level, it was, you know, we would get on officials and there was a couple of officials that you didn't see eye to eye with, but then the rest of the officials you, you got along with and you liked, you know, we'd run into guys at bars and, and crap like that. So it's it's one of those deals where you have to work with these guys. If an official comes over to the sideline in a club game and says, I don't know what the guy's number was, but uh, he somebody slashed somebody and they've got to serve the time, that's just how it is. You put somebody in the box, you figure it out. And one of the things that I found funny in this, in this article or in this uh, thread was I had said that as a ref, there were times where we would literally just say, I don't know who, who was it, who slashed him. We don't know. We don't have the number. And there were times where a kid would say, nah, it was me. And would go off. I don't know if it was really that kid. Maybe that kid was smart enough to realize, hey, I'm the worst player on this team. I'm going to sit in the box for my team and take one for them. I doubt it. But there were times where you just be in rec lacrosse, especially where everybody kind of knew that the stakes weren't really high. And they'd say, yeah, it was me. Hey, it was out on me. If you don't know, you know, obviously you do not do that. I'd say JV level and up you. If the ball goes out of bounds and two guys are standing there and they know who it went out on, but the official doesn't, you don't volunteer it. 
JV level and up. If you're in rec league, I would say probably don't volunteer it there either, but it's not nearly as big of a deal. And this guy specifically had said, I will not let my players volunteer or, or you know, give that information up. So I think that, that we may have a, a case where a guy's taking it a little bit too seriously if it's at the rec level. And I'm hey, if this is varsity box, still, that's not serious either. If there isn't a trophy that is given out and a championship that is being doled out that that really means something to anyone, because I when you look back on your lacrosse career, when you are in eighth grade, winning that box league tournament isn't going to mean shit to you when you're 40. You may look fondly upon it and say, hey, remember that? That was pretty cool when we did that. But uh, it, whether you won that league or not it, 20 years from now isn't going to mean anything to you as a kid. What I have seen, though, is that to the coaches, uh, some of the dads that coach, some of the other guys that coach these rec leagues, that shit means a lot to them. And, and it'll often mean a lot more to them than the players. So just don't be that coach. Be serious about it. But know, know what you're dealing with. Recognize that there is a time and a place for everything. And if you're coaching a tournament club team, summer team, winter box team, if you're coaching in these rec leagues, and more importantly, if you're coaching kids, you know, in the, in the, the range of eighth grade and under, it is never worth getting all over the officials. It's not worth nitpicking officials. It's barely worth talking to the officials and, and questioning calls outside of things that pertain to player safety or just things that are totally egregious. Now that opens up to people saying, well, yeah, I, I, I'm a coach. I coach sixth grade lacrosse and, and there's all sorts of terrible calls all over the field. I have to say something. It's my responsibility to yell at the ref. If he gets the call wrong, uh, on, you know, an end line shot or something like that, you know, and you know, if you think that way and you're coaching sixth grade lacrosse, good luck with that, man. I'm not, I'm not going to, uh, try to stop you. But you hear you're going to eventually run into a problem where if we don't start corralling some of these co- these hardos that are coaching that take the the youth level way too seriously, I and by that I don't mean that you shouldn't take it seriously. If you're coaching youth lacrosse, that's a serious thing. You should take seriously developing your players. You should take seriously trying to build character in your players. You should take seriously trying to make sure that these players respect the officials that are on the field because players that respect the officials overall, even through bad calls, will end up getting more calls than they they get screwed on down the road. And that's what a lot of these coaches don't understand. You ride an official, you become known. Like when I when we used to ref the rec leagues, me and one of my buddies, you knew who the assholes were and you knew who the cool guys were. And the assholes were were largely picked on. You know, if you're that cardo that's running around that's getting on officials all the time, if you sit there and you ask yourself, you know what? I am mad at the officials all the time. I am. I do find myself constantly harassing the officials. If you find yourself saying that, and then you follow that up with, but but they are wrong. They do suck. You're a hardo. And people are probably picking on you behind your back. It, it's a fact. All of us sane lacrosse people look at you guys and we think, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? Why is this guy screaming at a bunch of sixth graders? Why is this guy getting thrown out, nearly thrown out of a tournament uh, when talking, you know, when coaching a bunch of fifth graders in lacrosse? I mean, if you're that guy that got thrown out of a lacrosse tournament uh, or got penalized in a lacrosse tournament, uh, and you were coaching kids that were in eighth grade or under, you're probably a hardo, and people are probably picking on you behind your back. And that's it. That is the end of this episode. I'm going to stop rambling. Uh, we'll see how many people listen to the end of this based on how many people start lighting me up on Facebook and Twitter. As always, though, I say thank you for watching. 
or listening. Once again, I'm having a hard time uh, remembering that people are not watching me when I'm doing this daily this daily show here. So if you are listening, thank you. Uh, you can go to laxfactor.com and support us by just watching our videos, listening to our audio. If you if you're a listener only, uh, go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash lax factor. We put a ton of video content up, a ton of video podcasts. We have a weekly show. Uh, on Thursdays and Mondays during the college lacrosse season, we have a a preview show on Thursday and a a uh, what do you call it a recap show on Monday through the college lacrosse season. We put all sorts of other stuff up. The one thing I didn't mention is I was supposed to do a an NLL show for Tuesday of this week for yesterday, and I just decided fuck that. I I actually recorded it. I started cutting it up, and I was like, you know what? I suck at this. You could tell I was phoning it in. I didn't know who I was talking about. I, I there was a bunch of guys' names I couldn't even pronounce. So finally, I was just like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to find somebody to do an L N L L show with me and or for me for that matter. And we're going to go that route. But for now, I'm just going to stick to college across and pro news when I have it. And I'm not going to do a regular pro show yet. Uh, we're just going to stick to the college crap. So that was something else. So. Go to laxfactor.com to support us. Go to uh, youtube.com forward slash laxfactor if you want to watch videos. You go to anchor.fm forward slash laxfactor. That's the actual home of this show. Or you can go to anywhere else, obviously, that you uh, are listening to your podcast. If you're listening to this, though, you've already found us. So I'm going to shut the fuck up and and let you guys do your thing. So that is it. Thank you. I will be back tomorrow, and tomorrow we'll continue on with uh, the final two uh, in Peacock's list of guys that are getting the D- Rodney Dangerfield treatment, a.k.a. no respect.